0: dot com slash google teacher pod you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the google teacher podcast thank you for your continued support and may the googles be with you
1: I'm Lindsay and I'm Kathy from the kindergarten kiosk podcast, a part of the education podcast network, just like the show you're listening to now shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect those of others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Episode 94 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning.
2: And I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And in today's episode, we're going to shift the focus to the students. Well, it's always kind of all about the students on the Google Teacher Tribe. But in this case, we're going to be talking about working with students with Google tools. Not so much what we can do in the classroom with them, but how can we help students to understand them and to use them from the get-go? You know, it's it's tough to, to be able to say, okay, go and start working on this tool when you don't really know what you're you're talking about. So there are some tips and tricks and strategies you can use to help students thrive. That's what this episode is going to be all about. Of course, we do have some Google News and updates. We have a couple of fantastic voice messages from our listeners. And of course, we've got some blogs and other tidbits to share with you. So, Casey, you ready to get started? Let's do it.
1: Okay, Tribe, let's talk about some Google News and updates The first update that I have to share today is for Android users. So, Matt, this one's for you. Right. They have added a new look for Google Docs, Sheets, and Slides in the Android apps. So, you get a little screenshot. It looks A little bit different to me. I I see that they're, again, just extending that material design. We're going to see more consistency across all of the apps. They are also mentioning that Sheets is coming next. So just a quick update. If you happen to use Google apps on an Android device, a phone or a tablet, that you may see a little bit of a new look and feel.
2: So the next one we've got comes to us from the keyword blog. And this one says how I use Google in my classroom and other advice for teachers. And I know a lot of times the stuff that we get from Google is either kind of nuts and bolts about their tools or, you know, sometimes it's kind of like PR type stuff. This is this is a pretty cool thing. This is a post um, from a teacher, a London based educator, and she gives some suggestions about how she uses Google, like what are some suggestions about teaching with Google and doing it effectively? And so I'm gonna give you some of the high level stuff, and then you can go check this out in the show notes if you wanna read a little more in depth. She says, get comfortable not knowing all the answers. Teachers are lifelong learners too. That's one. And I say amen to that. Uh, number two, uh, big impact happens through small moments of leadership. And so, um, you know, it doesn't have to be the big monumental stuff. Number three, classroom pulse checks can show you where to focus. I think this is really good. It's like the heart of that that formative assessment where we're able to inform our instruction. Then find a community of teachers you can count on to keep you energized. And then the last one says your well-being is more important than you think. And so she digs into all of these different tips. I think all of those are solid. And um, of course, you can check out our show notes if you want to read the whole thing.
1: I also have another post from the Keyword blog that's also about Google Classroom. So many of you may have noticed that a little pop-up that's showing up when you log into Google Classroom now, and it's a little birthday candle up in the top right. It has been five years since Google Classroom was first introduced. So It is turning five years old. And there's a lot to celebrate with that. You know, I go back and I think about where we were when Google Classroom first came out and how far it's come along the way. But I also think about how hard it was on teachers to manage digital assignments before Google Classroom. And this post here is actually taking a look at a school that adopted five years ago and how far they have come using Google Classroom. And I feel like it's a really important thing to to do this and to think about this And what's interesting, this is from Fontbon. That's the uh, Fontbon Hall Academy. Please forgive me if I am not pronouncing that as eloquently as I should. But that's a private high school for girls in Brooklyn, New York. And they were early beta testers. And so now they're taking a look back at how far they have come over the past five years. And what's funny is one of the first quotes is from a social studies teacher. And she says, I periodically think about what my life was like before. And I break out into a cold sweat. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel you on that one, Jennifer. That's from Jennifer McNiff. And I, I totally feel you. It, it is a hot mess when you go back and you think about what you were doing before you had Google Classroom. But they ask all of these teachers these questions. And so one of the next questions was about the prep time and paperwork. What does, you know, what's changed How has this affected how much time you put into preparing for your classroom? And Jennifer says, it's nice now because I don't have to worry about using my prep time for mundane tasks like making copies. Good Lord, how much of my life has been standing in front of a copier? (laughs) You Think Mm -hmm. about that. And so it's going to help us not only go paperless, but to focus our lesson planning and get right to work with students so that they can collaborate and communicate. So really great thoughts in here. I really like the fact that they're also taking it further now and thinking about how they're getting more creative with classroom. And Jennifer says, I use it even for simple things like my do now assignments that I give kids as soon as they walk in the room. So she's really got her habits down. Her kids know what to expect. And that's that's something I always recommend with teachers who are using Google Classroom. Consistency is your best friend. And I think that pairs well with where we're going in our featured content today, too, and helping to get students on board with using these tools in the classroom.
2: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know, I think about when um, when I was teaching with Google and I didn't have Google Classroom, I remember there was that uh, Google Sheets add-on, I think, called G-Class Folders. And it created a whole bunch of folders for all of your students. And I was using that. And I felt like I was kind of like, that was like nerdy, geeky success for me. But it was still so clunky. And um, yeah, things have definitely changed when it comes to Google Classroom. And it's just streamlined and makes things pretty easy. The last one that we have to share with you, this one's called How Classroom Tech Brings Accessibility with Dignity. Because that is one of the nice things that so many of the technology platforms we work with today, um, they offer good accessibility so that all learners have an equal opportunity to be able to um, to be able to use technology and to be able to learn. And in this post, um, it comes from an instructional technology director. Um, from Highland Park, Illinois. And she talks about her one of her aha moments. She had a student with autism um, that would sometimes disrupt class because they wanted immediate answers to questions, maybe needing a teacher's aid at their side. And um, she decided to do something really simple. Open up a Google Doc on the student's Chromebook. And then the teaching aid had the same doc open on her Chromebook. And then they were able to interact within the Chromebook and, or within the doc, and they weren't disrupting class as much. And just in that one little moment, um, this teacher started to see the power of the um, accessibility. And it talks again, like it said, about dignity, about um, allowing these, uh, especially with um, special education, to be able to make the modifications necessary without having you know clear and obvious um, changes and differences from all the other students. And um, it's just, uh, a, a really, really good post, I think. And she actually says that, um, she thinks the next thing, the next new thing and assistive technology has to do with augmented reality and virtual reality, especially with students with physical disabilities who don't have an access to the wider world. So, um... Yeah, it's, it's just cool to, to see this and the fact that we do have more and more, um, access to the same educational opportunities for everyone, which is, which is pretty much the goal. So, um, so you, if you're interested in any of these posts, as well as anything else we talk about in the show, you can find them at the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 94. So when it comes to using G Suite in the classroom, getting students in on all of these Google tools, uh, so many of us have learned either the hard way or just from other people that just telling students to go use it isn't usually enough. You know, so often I think students get the reputation that, oh, they're techie. Oh, they know about all this technology. Oh, they have smartphones. They're going to know all of this stuff anyway. And the reality is, is that students still have a lot to learn when it comes to using technology and l- using it um, in an effective and productive way. And I think so often they haven't had any sort of training or any ways to open their mind about the potential of it, you know, how it can be used for beyond um, social media and games and all of that, and I really think that's one of the privileges that we get as educators um, using technology in our classrooms is to open students' eyes to the fact that this is more than just games and communication, and that um, you know some some really productive, really insightful things can come out of it. And there are some really really good resources and ideas out there to help us to help our students to thrive. And Casey, you're going to talk about one that it, this is a this is a pretty sizable resource that everybody has access to. Right.
1: Yes. And this is probably the resource that most people would think of when they are asking that question. How do I help my students learn Google skills? And this question comes up in the ShakeUp Learning community. A lot a lot of teachers ask me and bring this up. They're like, how do you teach them the how-to side of things. You know, we make the assumption, oh, just, you know, open up Google Slides and they're going to know how to use it. And that may be true, but it also may not. It may actually be a disaster. And a lot of teachers have faced that. We have to build that digital toolbox, right? And especially if you want to build in things like student choice, students aren't going to know what tools to choose from if they don't know what they do, if they've never experienced them. And so giving them that exposure and helping them to learn how to, to use these tools for learning is really important. And Google has lots of free resources for this. And the the main one that comes to mind is called their Applied Digital Skills Program. And Applied Digital Skills is an entire curriculum. It's completely free. It is basically for late, they say late elementary, I would say fourth and fifth grade and up. And I love the fact that they have these ready-made lesson plans with tutorials, with videos, with all kinds of things that you can use in your classroom. And so if you go to the Applied Digital Skills website, you'll see lots of different resources. You'll see a tab for teachers, and you'll also see a button that says sign up for free. Actually, this looks quite different than the last time I was looking at this website. So I believe they have made some updates. So I signed up and I logged in and I wanted to see how this works so I can help you better understand it. And what happens is you go through the steps, you create a class, and it has its own assignment system. And I would say it's very similar to Google Classroom. You'll see a little button to create a class. You'll name a class But you can also share to Google Classroom, so you don't have to set everything up separately. So if you're already like, Casey, I don't want to do something separate. I am looking right now at the share to Google Classroom button, so you can then push that out. And these are full-blown lessons, y'all. So I was playing around, and I jumped into the If Then Adventure Stories And this is where students will collaborate with classmates to create an interactive story using Google Slides. And so the first thing they're going to do, lesson one, is introduction to applied digital skills. They're going to watch a video that's going to give them an overview of what Google Apps actually is. And then they're going to take a survey, a little pre-assessment to help you better guide them before they get into that creation part and applying those skills, because that's what this curriculum is all about, applied digital skills. I also love the fact that on the left-hand side right now, I can see approximate time to complete. So for this particular project, it's two to three hours, suitable for a late elementary, middle school, and high school. So this is going to apply across the board and the skills covered. So they're going to learn digital collaboration, Presentation formatting and slide hyperlinks. They're going to be using docs and slides, and they've even got rubrics and all of these other resources. So, this is a really robust platform. So, I may be also digging in and sharing a few other things from this throughout the
2: episode. Yeah, this is really good stuff. You know, I started um, kind of scanning through the curriculum, some of the lessons, and I'm seeing 81 different lessons in here. and I mean, one of them was, um, you know, you've got create quizzes in Google Forms, create a responsible blog with Google Sites, organize group projects in Google Sheets. You've got create a resume in Google Docs. Um, There's even one about ethics. It's technology, ethics, and security. I mean, all of this stuff obviously gives students an opportunity to get their hands dirty with Google tools. But it also, you see, it's not just tech training. This is like life training too. This is, you know, actual stuff that that you'd actually use in real life. So this is, this is really, really good stuff. Now, There are, of course, ways that we can help our students to thrive that don't come down to, you know, accessing an entire curriculum or, you know, planning entire lessons. There are even some some little tips. So I pulled together a couple of little tips that I think can help you put your students in a position where they're likely to thrive using G Suite. And one of them is to create low stakes practice opportunities before using a tool for a grade. Because, you know, so often we want them to try something new, you know, either with a tool that they're familiar with or even with a brand new tool. And I think it's dangerous whenever we ask students to jump right into a brand new tool and then start using it for an activity that's for a grade before they've had an opportunity to actually get to know it. So creating some of those low stakes practice opportunities you know, maybe it's something that's ungraded or something that's just for a few points um, that is more about making sure that they have some fluency with the tool. You're going for the fluency with the tool before the demonstration of learning. So, you know, that's that's kind of like, you know, I like playing sports and, you know, golf comes to mind, for instance. This is like, um, you know, knowing how to swing a five iron and how to hit a ball with it before putting someone out on a course and saying, okay, you need to put this ball on the green. It's like kind of like that. You you don't want to get the cart before the horse. Number two is to praise students when they discover something others can use. And see, I think it's not really our job to stand up in front of class or uh, do this digitally and say, here is every single thing you need to know about this tool. Because A... Students may not use all of that stuff. And B, we may not know all of it. And hey, you know what? That's okay. So whenever a student stumbles upon a new feature, maybe something that you didn't know or something you didn't teach them, and they find something others can use, that is a great opportunity to stop and direct everybody's attention to it and say, hey, did you see that Caitlin used this one resource that let her do this one thing? This is pretty cool. This is something that all of you can do. And then what that does is that creates a culture of, I'm going to figure this out on my own. Um, I'm going to not just blindly follow what the teacher says, but I own some of this as well. Number three is don't be afraid to try something new, even if you don't perfectly understand it. I touched on this just a little bit a second ago, that even if you don't 100% know all of the features, all of the specifics about a tool that you want to use in instruction, that doesn't mean that you can't use it yet. In fact, you might even preempt with the students and say, you know, this is something I think it has a lot of potential. I don't know everything about it. I'm going to be leaning on all of you to help out with this. And what's amazing, what I found in my own classroom is that when I start to turn some of that into my students' hands and give them a little bit of that uh, control and ownership, That doesn't make me less of a teacher. That just motivates them even further sometimes. So that's number three. And then the last one, know what the student side of things looks like. I know Casey has mentioned this. I probably got this from her years ago, Um, you know, especially with Google Classroom. If you're working with that and you know what things look like on the student side and that goes with any of the other tools. Um, uh, Thankfully, with some of the core stuff like you know, docs and slides and sheets and drawings and so many of those, it looks the same with the students as it does with the teachers. But if there's a different side, a different student side, then it's really, really useful to know what that looks like. So, so those are some of those little things, those little tiny adjustments you can make in your instruction to help your students to thrive.
1: And I think those are all really important points. You know, there's so many things that we have to do as teachers and, We would like to think that it's easy just to kick things off, but every teacher will tell you that every class you ever have is different, right? You have different personalities, the the culture of the classroom can vary, and what skills they walk in with. You know, sometimes we feel like we've got, oh, we're finally getting somewhere. They've learned some of these skills in previous grades. And then sometimes you get a new crop of kids and you're like, where have they been? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who's been teaching these kids? They don't know anything in Google. And it just happens. You know, sometimes it's be- it's because of other teachers who aren't adopting. Sometimes it's just the schools that they came from. So, One of the other things I wanted to dig into with Applied Digital Skills is some of the other free resources that are here for teachers. So I've included a link in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 94 A link to what they call the resource kit, and this page is awesome, y'all. They've got a quick start guide that's going to show you step by step how to create that class and how to assign lessons. They're also going to suggest some starter lessons. They've got a one-page handout that's an overview for parents, colleagues, and administrators. So if you need some of that buy-in, you got it. And they've got a link to the help center, so you've got that right at your fingertips. But what I was just perusing was this free classroom poster, and it is pretty dang cute. It is titled, When Would I Ever Use Digital Tools in Real Life? And you'll see examples of different jobs and examples of how they would use those different Google apps. So for instance, cosmetologists use sheets to organize work schedules, drawings to create logos for advertising, sites to attract clients and YouTube to learn new makeup techniques. I love it. So, when kids come to us and they're like, "When am I ever going to use this? What how is this ever, you know, going to affect my life? I'm going to do this career. I'm not going to use technology." Because there are kids. I in fact, I know some kids who really still prefer to not use technology in the classroom. And and that bothers me so much. So I want them to understand not only is this that career readiness skill, but future ready. And we've got to help them adapt and understand that these tools can help and support you no matter what path you take in life. And, you know, how much we're going to help them Collaborate and create and give them more opportunities to do some of that more project based learning and those other goals that we want to reach in our classroom that have nothing to do with technology. So I'm really excited about how this is being used. I have talked to several teachers who absolutely love it and highly recommend it. If you are listening to this and you have tried it and you have some tips or anything else to share, you know, please go to Google Teacher Tribe dot com and leave us some comments, leave us a a voice message, and let us know how this is working for
2: you. Um, you know we've got a couple of other quick hits for you to to share real quick before we wrap this up. If you work with younger students, um, you know we're gonna we're gonna drop a name here that we've dropped a a several times. In fact, someone that's been a guest on the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Um, you must check out Christine Tento's blog. I yeah, yep, I know her too. She has taught kindergarten for several years now, and the resources that she shares, oh my goodness, um, for helping those littles to thrive on her Chromebooks, because um, she does have Chromebooks in her kindergarten classroom, and they use them on a regular basis. Um, We've got a link in the show notes to a page that she's got for helping, um, helping young students to get logged in and to use those um Google tools. And it's super practical, super helpful. Um, we've also got a link to her um to her episode where we get to talk to her. And then of course there's there's her book, Google Apps for Littles. Um, some of her advice that I absolutely love. Um, one thing that I think has been really, really helpful for so many teachers is that on her students' Chromebooks, she gets electrical tape of all different colors. You know, the, I think there's probably what three or four or five different colors, and she will put that electrical tape in different places along the rows of the keyboard. So you know, you've got you've got like the QWERTY row, the you know the top row, and then the middle row with the ASDF. Um, she'll flag those with different colors, maybe off to the edges, maybe even little bits on the keys. And then the students know the color of the rows and that helps them when they're trying to find letters. And probably one of the coolest ways that she uses this is that each student has a card with their login information, you know, with their username and with their password. And each one of the letters on that card is highlighted with the color of the row where they can find that key. And so talk about saving kids a whole bunch of time from having to hunt and peck and hunt and peck and try to find those keys. Um, that's one super helpful way that she's suggested. Another one that I love is her her way of using terminology that kids will understand. So, um, you know, for instance, if you're going to use the, um, you know, click on a home button, you know, she would say, click on the picture of a house. Uh, one, one of the ones that I'll, I'll never forget is... Um, you know, she's got a, a, a term, sort of like a cue for the cursor. She calls it the dancing line. And so um, you know, just, just finding little things like that where the, the terminology for using the different parts of Chromebooks and G Suite and everything, that can make all the difference in the world. So I absolutely love the way that she does that too.
1: Yes. And Christine is a fabulous resource. If you teach any of the primary grades, she has resources, not only for Kinder, but I would say at least K1 and 2. And what I love, I love the login cards that you just mentioned. She's really creative, but she's really consistent. And she's one-to-one with Chromebooks and Kinder. And when schools come to me and they ask that question, they're like, yeah, we, you know, everybody thinks you have to do tablets with kinder um, and those lower grades. And there's definitely some visual things that are, make that make sense. But at the same time, Christine's my example. So whenever someone comes to me, they're like, I can't do this in kindergarten. I'm like, yes, you can. In fact, Christine says, believe they can, right? So she has amazing resources. Of course, she co-wrote the book with Alex Keeler, who I'm sure you all know also has many Google tips up her sleeve, but the book is awesome, but her website is fantastic too. And she regularly shares the things that she's actually doing in the classroom. And I never taught kinder. I can only imagine what my middle schoolers would have done to me if I'd said, look at the dancing line. (laughs) So Uh I just can't. Think in those terms, like that, that creativity that she has to connect with those younger users and make it make sense for them is so powerful. So we do have those links in our show notes to Christine's resources, as well as some others that we just frankly don't have time to get to, including some YouTube videos, some Lesson plans on teaching Google Search and a Google a day. So please jump into those show notes at GoogleTeacherTribe.com/slash/ninety-four if you want to learn more. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what?
2: This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a
1: call sometime.
2: You've got mail.
1: Hey Matt, are you ready to jump into the mailbag? Let's jump into the mailbag. Yeah, <laughs> let's jump into the mailbag. Yes, I do. I still feel like that's like Pee Wee's Playhouse or something. And I can just hear everybody <laughs> well, laughing that's a and laugh screaming. From my past. Yeah. So we're gonna jump in. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna jump into the mailbag, and I have a message here from Stephanie DeMichael. Did I say that right, Matt? That's right. Yep, I think you knew how to pronounce. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, Stephanie has left us a great voice message in response to the last two episodes. So, 92 and 93, where we were talking about using Google tools in PD, and she's doing something pretty awesome. So, take it away, Stephanie.
3: My name is Stephanie DeMichael, and I am a digital learning coach from Northeast Ohio. I'm a devoted fan of your show and have especially enjoyed the last two episodes about using Google Tools for PD, Um, as the majority of my job as a digital learning coach entails helping teachers integrate G Suite apps into their current teaching practices. One of the things I've found most helpful for both me and my audience comes from my previous experience as a high school English teacher. If my students had an A going into the final exam I excused them from the exam because they had obviously exhibited mastery of the subject matter. So why waste their time and mine? Today, since I teach a wide variety of audiences with varying skill levels, I've started applying the same methodology. So for example, in one of my most recent sessions, I was entrusted with helping a group of about 30 teachers learn the very basics about Google Drive, docs, slides, drawings, forms, and sheets. About three weeks in advance of our meeting, I created a pre-assessment and sent it out to my participants. These pre-assessments with links and video tutorials directed them to complete a series of tasks which would demonstrate their mastery of those Google basics. Now, once they had submitted these artifacts of learning to me and I had checked them out, I sent those participants a certificate of learning indicating they had indeed mastered the workshop. And that way they were exempt from the day and it wasn't a waste of their time. This also allowed me to focus more attention on those participants who really needed a little extra attention and a little handholding. So it turned out to be a really productive use of all of our time with my less experienced users feeling not so intimidated by their more knowledgeable peers. It was a win-win for everyone and something I am definitely going to continue in the future. Thanks for all your great ideas, and most especially, thanks for making my Monday morning commute enjoyable.
1: I absolutely love this idea. It is so important to meet teachers where they are, to pre-assess, do not assume they don't know anything. And from a past experience that I will share, this one hit home to me. I, and I've told this story probably before, but when I was, I was probably still only like a second year teacher, but I was the techie teacher. I love technology and I loved learning it. So I signed up for this workshop on Microsoft Publisher. Whoa. And I showed up to the training. Yes many moons ago, y'all. And I showed up to the training. It was designed to kind of be self-paced a little bit. Like you had a project and you had a little packet and you just followed the directions and you created whatever they told you to create. Well, this was probably a half day training. It was supposed to be like three hours or something like that. So I worked through it and I finished before everybody else in the classroom. And I'm not saying that to brag, y'all. I'm saying because I knew my stuff already. I was expecting to learn something new and this didn't have anything new to offer. But what really irritated me was the fact that that teacher didn't believe that I knew what I was talking about, that I had already mastered that. In fact, she said, well, since you know it all, you can just help everybody else in the classroom because you can't leave. And she was extremely rude to me. It was a really bad experience. In fact, I think this one experience has shaped me as a trainer in general. I don't want anybody to walk out of my trainings feeling this way. So if you have the opportunity to pre-assess and you know what, sometimes you're going to have someone in your, your own session that might know more than you and be open to that. So I just really love that this program is helping to meet the teachers where they are take them, give them credit for the things that they already know. So fantastic idea. Thank you, Stephanie.
2: Yes. Yeah. That is, that is a really, really cool one. The next one comes from Ryan Lindsay, all the way from Canberra, Australia, and you are going to be blown away by how he's using Google tools to create this unique club. So take it, Ryan.
4: I just wanted to say thank you because you've guided me to lots of different Google Chrome areas and I've put all of those things together, all that learning into one fantastic place at school, which has been our Dungeons and Dragons Club. And normally you would associate that with dice paper and maybe some theater of the mind. But we've managed to integrate really rich use of Google Classroom to manage everything where the kids can ask questions and um, chat and share links. And then we've obviously pushed into the first steps of like docs and sheets and doing homework and um, putting together stories and simple content like that. Then we decided to level things up. We've got a sheet as an XP tracker so that we can see when kids hand in homework, they earn XP for their characters. And we've got all sorts of crazy formulas in there, which has been a really cool way to show kids how formulas matter and how they work. Then we've got kids accessing um, LucidPress and Canva and doing some more visual design, some more content creation. And then recently I went to a Google Summit and they talked about Flipgrid. And I finally got that switch flipped where I realized student voice as a retell of what their characters have done is fantastic but also doing drama reflections of previous adventures their characters have gone on to and retelling it and doing it in a way where they can showcase acting and movement skills. And all of that comes together because of the podcast guiding me to so many places. So thank you very much for making our D&D club at KPS so good. Cheers.
2: Oh my goodness. I cannot believe all of the de- different layers to this Dungeons and Dragons club and all of this, all of this stuff. I mean, we've got docs, we've got sheets, we've got drawings. We're going outside of Google into Canva. We're using Flipgrid. I mean, this is such a, this, this is the kind of classroom that I would love to be a part of. In fact, I, even as an adult, I'm thinking, man, can I come sit in on, on this and, and be a part of this? And this is so cool. And I think this goes to show you also that when you start with a core idea and you start to add little things to it as you learn more, like maybe you didn't know about Lucid Press. Maybe you didn't know about Canva. Um, and then you start to add little bits and pieces to it over time. It doesn't have to start as this great big, you know, sort of like, I don't want to say complicated, but maybe like intricate idea. You can start with the basics and then build from there. Love, love, love all of this, Ryan. Thank you so much for listening. Whoa, we are almost done with this episode. We've got a couple of quick blog posts that we want to tell you about in case you want to go check them out. Um, for me, I uh, recently wrote a post called Six Things That Make Auto Graded Google Forms Quizzes Better. I've been thinking a lot about these sort of like multiple choice, auto-graded quizzes. And I think sometimes, you know, people either decry them as, you know, they're they're horrible. You should never, ever use them. Some people probably lean on them too much. And I think maybe instead of just deciding, should we use them or should we not use them? Maybe we can ask the question of, can we make them better? And so I've got a couple of things that you can go check out in this post. Um, some of them just as simple as, you know, adding a, a long form text box that allows students to explain their answer. You know, so if there's a multiple choice question in there and they're kind of torn between two answers, if they can type in their explanation for why they picked one over the other and they can demonstrate that understanding, then they don't run the risk of getting, you know, kind of getting the, the fleece pulled over their eyes by a question that they didn't understand. And then there's a follow-up post to that too. In fact, I started writing one big post and I realized it probably needs to be two. And it's about, should we even use auto-graded multiple choice quizzes? Because again, they do sometimes get a bad rep. Sometimes we do lean on them too much. Um, But I think there's a a time and a place for them. And um, that's kind of what I dug into in that post if you wanna go check it out.
1: And I have a couple of resources I want to share. The first one is I wanted to mention that I have newly updated my free webinar on how to get Google certified. So if you happen to be listening to this podcast and really love your Google stuff, you may want to consider getting Google certified. And in this webinar, I will walk you through what all the certification options are and what it takes to get there. So it's completely free. It's automated so you can choose a time that works for you. And I also just released a new podcast on the Shake Up Learning Show as well as a blog post called 100 Plus Ways to Use a Chromebook in the Classroom. And no, I didn't actually list out 100 ways in this post. But what I introduced in this blog post is called the Chromebook app hub, and it's a free resource from Google with tons of lesson ideas and tips and an app database. So you can easily find a hundred plus ways to use those Chromebooks in your classroom. So you can check that out. Of course, we've got links to everything in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 94. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast as we move forward towards that 100th episode. I can't wait. I can't believe we've already hit 1 million before we hit 100. Thank you so much to everyone for listening and supporting and being a part of the tribe
2: we, of course, you know that our favorite part about this podcast is you as the tribe. And I do want to remind you that we do love to feature your voices and we would love to hear your voice. So make sure you go to Google and record one of those. And other than that, I think that wraps us up and we will see you on the next episode of the Google teacher tribe podcast.
1: Bye y'all.